Blog Talk Radio. Hello, hockey fans. Welcome once again to another episode of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We've got a great show lined up today. Chris Moore from WFAN Sports in New York is going to be joining us. Now, he was the Florida Panthers announcer and play-by-play guy in their inaugural season. He's also done play-by-play for every sport on ESPN. He's done play-by-play for the Devils, so that's going to be a great chat. We're going to look at the New York metropolitan hockey market and where it is today. We got an update on Alex Tuck, and unfortunately, it's not good news, so we're going to get more into that, and we're going to talk about the road trip and and where they stand right now and and, uh, depth of scoring, if that's a problem for these Golden Knights this year. Stay tuned. We're going to have a great show. All right, hockey fans, Vegas Golden Knights fans, I wanted to give a special shout-out to our fans over in the U.K. You guys have hit the 7% mark in our listener downloads in the last couple weeks. We appreciate you, we see you, and thank you for tuning in this week. Uh, Special, special day today. Uh, Chris, I know you and me are pretty much the same age bracket, and I just want to say, Gorbachev, take down this wall. Today is the... 30th anniversary of the Berlin Wall coming down. Nice story. When it did happen, my dad showed up on my doorstep with plane tickets and took me over to Berlin. So I was there at the time of the Berlin Wall coming down. And actually, my dad and I went through Checkpoint Charlie. I've got the East Berlin passport stamp in in my passport from that time period. And uh, just a special shout out today. It's an important date in world history as uh, Germany was reunited after a long division and, and lots of suffering. So uh, just a little personal note to kick the show off there, Chris. Yeah. So uh, I just recently saw a travel show on Berlin and that area. There's a lot of young, young professionals now living in there and it looks like a whole different world. So that's, that's uh, it's amazing that you had that experience. So uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So jumping in the Vegas lane, um, you know, uh, another OT loss the other night. I mean, game in Toronto. Mm. It's funny we've been clamoring that don't play Flurry too much, and he throw he throws. Although you got to figure out this trip, he's going to play him one game. Uh, Subban he's either going to play Flurry probably Thursday, and then and and then Subban gets the cap. So uh, you know, Subban held his own for sure. Yeah, uh, great game. You know, yeah. So uh, only giving up the two goals against that high powered offense. And, you know, Vegas, again, uh, only being able to – I think Pacioretty was the only one who scored. And yep. uh, you got the update there on Tuck. But, uh, you know, Smith, Riley Smith and Mark Stone have been scoring at a prolific pace this year. And then, like, Stasny, Colson, and Pacioretty, you know, they've been fine in terms of scoring. And then it really dries up uh, after that. So um, what's the latest on Tuck? Yesterday, David Shane from the Las Vegas Review Journal reported a setback in uh, Alex Tuck and his return to the team. Now, he questioned your Coach Gallant about it, and Gallant had said setback. Um, and then uh, yesterday, he questioned him on what that meant, and Coach Gallant had expected Tuck to join the team at some point on this road trip. And now that is not the case. Alex Tuck will not be joining the Vegas Golden Knights on this road trip. And what they've done so far is they've, they brought up uh, Nick, Nick Waugh again, and he's been playing fourth line center. And then they've moved Nosek up to third line left wing and alternated with uh, Brandon Peary in that spot, uh, leaving Cody Glass on Eakins right wing. Uh, so that's how they're they're adjusting to it, and I, I really like Nick Waugh's game. He got into his second game, and and um, I think he can bring a lot to that fourth line. He brings a little more speed than Nosek. Um, he's a bit he's a bigger guy, so he kind of fits into that mold. But he's got uh, we've seen a good a good finishing touch from his first NHL goal, and I I, I want to see how that matures as a line uh, while. Tuck is going to miss the next three, two games at least, 
Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights will play Washington today. And I want to say it's Detroit tomorrow. And then we'll see when they get back into town uh, if Alex Tuck is skating with the group on Tuesday. So that's where we are. They got Tuesday. Monday will probably be a day off is what I'm saying. And then Tuesday will be a practice before Chicago comes to town. Um, I don't know if I expect to see him back at that Chicago game. And then there's two days off. And they played in Los Angeles on Saturday, uh, back-to-back, back home next Sunday against Calgary where they start a four-game homestand. So they're, they're about to go into a pretty good part of the schedule here for them. Uh, four out of five at home. You've got uh, Chicago, Calgary, Toronto, San Jose, and Edmonton coming to town uh, with that LA Kings game next Saturday on the schedule. So, you know, it should be a good homestand if, if they can get tucked back at some time between now and that Saturday Kings game or the Sunday Calgary game next week, it would be nice to have the full roster intact um, for this homestand. You did mention about Subban. I got to give Subban a stick tap. He had a fantastic game against Toronto. He's the reason that game was still nothing, nothing in the third um, until Pacioretty finally got off the schneid for his third goal it seems like it's been forever um but uh Subban played more than well enough to win that game he 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 many acrobatic and he got a piece of the Tavares shot in overtime he he, he got across uh, he got his his glove hand off and it kind of looked like it went off his wrist forearm area and bounced up into the cage and he almost made that save as well so that's a good sign for the Vegas Golden Knights especially you know we, we last Saturday we talked about Flurry being sick and he missed the game the Winnipeg game if I'm looking at this right, right and then returned against Columbus played a good game and and coming off the flu you you do it you you do yeoman's work against Columbus um you get a win I'm not surprised that that Subban went in Toronto because more than likely he's going to be going I would think Sunday again on the back-to-back since Flurry did have the, the illness you you want him uh three full days rest headed to Washington today um and then if, if Subban can come in and give that same effort against Detroit, I'm looking at uh, a, hopefully a good victory. Although Detroit did give Boston the what for yesterday. Um, the, it's, 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 it'll be nice to see when we've harped on this over and over, Chris, about getting flurry, the rest he needs. And if, if Subban can play like he did against Toronto, you're going to win more games than you lose. And if the team, can play like they did against Toronto because they, they had a really good game as well. I, obviously, you blow another third-period lead. It was one nothing. Um, it, it's not a nice trend to have that happen in three of your last four games, but you are getting points. You are. I see the process starting to work, and I, I like the way the Golden Knights are trending today in Washington is going to be a big test, sir. Uh, absolutely, the way the way the Capitals have been playing this year, for sure. But yeah, that's like I said, that's secondary scoring. Hopefully, Tuck, which is a big part of that, he's a guy who can give you somewhere in that twenty to thirty goal range that he uh, and really uh, help out whatever line he's on if you put him on that third line and really juice that line up. So uh, clearly, he, he you're not going to see him on this uh, road trip uh, ends today and tomorrow, but. And like you said, Chicago might be a little too soon, but by, by next, sometime next weekend, uh, that would mean a lot. Um, uh, it, it clear, you know, again, you, you wouldn't think of the Golden Knights as a team not where an issue of uh, depth scoring would be an issue, but so far this year it has been, and that's, and that's with two guys, you know, going at an incredible clip. I mean, Riley Smith already at nine goals, Mark Stone at eight goals, so... Those guys have been worth their weight in gold. But uh, it was good to see about Subban. I mean, Flory is – look, uh, we talked about this. He, he, you've made a major investment in him. Uh, it's a long season. You don't want to – you know, you're hoping for a long, you know, playing well into the spring. Uh, you don't want to have to be playing Flurry, you know, 60-plus, 60, 60, 65 games to get in the right position that you want – the position you want to be in uh, come playoff time. 
and you know the way this team is set up, they're going to be really want like really counting on Flurry for the next couple of seasons uh, as their number one netminder, a guy who gives you fifty to fifty five games in that at least you know, in that range. So it's good to see they've just got to keep Subban healthy, as you've said in the past. He's uh, one of his bugaboos has been uh, the injury bug. Yeah, no question about it. Um, the th- the thing, and we're, we're talking about the secondary scoring. I'll go back to the the game Tuck got hurt in. the The third line looked the best it's it's looked all year. Glass on the left, Aiken in the middle, and and Tuck playing that right side. Um, that that that. It's it's hard to judge what the team has done to this point, and I know that on the cover, when you're looking at the standings, um, nine five and three, or as I like to say, nine and eight. <laughs> the yeah, they, I mean they've got it's twenty one points. Nice. They're not. Right. They're I mean the sky's not falling. You know what I'm saying? It's it's right. okay, but it, it, last year when Tuck was out, I think they were nine eleven and two or nine eleven and one before uh, Nate Schmidt came back. This year they're definitely ahead of that pace. So when when this team gets all of their complement of players, and you can put the same team on the ice, the the bugaboo around the team has been consistency and and play the sixty minutes, which you don't really like to hear but when you're having these kinds of of injuries and remember uh fountain zekoff is is gone for 20 games and and the gold knights really thought he was going to take another step this season and he's out with his ped suspension so then your your left wing third line is you know that's the same consistent issue of trying to find that winger to play with Eakin. Um, I don't want to put a, a label on this team until Gallant can, you know, ice the same team on a consistent basis. I don't want to talk about the team's consistency until we have a consistent team, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and then the other important point is the divisions, at least the early showing and I think it's going to have some staying power. It's a lot better. I mean, Dave Tippett has really uh, helped yeah. Edmonton out with, uh, from a defensive standpoint, um, you know. And oh, then you have James Neal. Uh, right, James Neal putting, putting some pucks in the net. Uh, Arizona uh, looks a lot better um, yeah. and more consistent play. Um, and then you have Vancouver. So, just, you know, granted the Sharks right now are down, but uh, and we'll see if they can get back up, but the division looks like it's playing, and even Anaheim. Anaheim uh, is right there as well with a, with a ton of young forwards. So um, the division looks a lot better. You know, going in to the season, you say to yourself, all right, you got Vegas, you got Calgary, you have San Jose. Is there really anybody else in this division worth really talking about? And as long as those teams did okay, you figured they'd be one, two, and three in some kind of capacity. And that's not the case. So that is, you know, this is the competition – is uh they're they're the learning curve whatever you want to call it they're getting better they've definitely clearly taken a step so far this year and we'll see if that continues but that's a that's something to consider from a from a Golden Knights standpoint. Yeah, we thought that uh, this might be one of the worst divisions in hockey when we did our Pacific Division preview, and if. I'm not sure about Anaheim. I mean, they have all world goalie and Gibson. But I'm not sure if that's an 82 game schedule team. It, my my buddy at work, you know, he remembers Arizona catching fire at the end of last season. And you know, they had Kessel and a couple other players, and they're off to a, their best start in years, obviously. Um, and I I liked Vancouver to push for a wild card spot before the season started they and I might have mentioned this last week but if you look at the Vancouver and their four studs that they have now 
it's kind of like it was in Toronto when they had Nylander, Marner, and Matthews all ready to take that step and, and join the big club. And I remember being real anxious to see what that was going to mature into. Vancouver seems to be that next team who has drafted well and has been able to put enough pieces in place to be and I'm calling our guest right now so uh, we're going to get a little interference Chris okay hey Chris are you there Chris Moore how yeah I'm here all right everybody we have Chris Moore on the line Chris is the uh, sports radio host over on WFAN you can catch him on uh, most weekends he's also the former play-by-play announcer for the New Jersey Devils and the Florida Panthers in their inaugural years. Also did a ton of work for ESPN. You can find him on Twitter at more to say That's double O. Uh, and Chris, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Uh, Chris here. So uh, um, let's talk a little New York Islanders. You know, uh, Chris being in the metropolitan area, I think people around in the country and in Canada they look at the Islanders and they say, okay, there's no stars on this team. I mean, maybe Barzell is a, a, a talented young player. Maybe he will be. But there's no Carey Price. There's no Ovechkin. They think it's a bit of a mirage uh, both last year and this year. From, you, from your eyesight, what do you see from the Isles in terms of their play on the ice? And I know you're a big believer in, in some of the intangibles about this team. Well, you know, in hockey, I'm a big believer in my years there of of it being, you know, the ultimate team sport when it comes to everybody has to play two ways. Most guys hit the ice and can come up with an important play. So the attitude of the entire organization and particularly the, the players is, is important. There's no – on the best teams, there's no factions and there's no sense that um, – you know, that the stars get all the breaks and the atmosphere created by Trotz and Lamorello is one that has them really believing. And I think in this sport more than others, it translates when your team, when your team really thinks that they're going to win that night or that afternoon, it matters. It translates on the ice. And uh, I think that what they have, the magic that they have is they really believe in the guys running the team and because what they've done has translated into success, it feeds on itself. It's like a cycle. You know, you keep telling me to do this. I keep doing it. It works. I keep doing it. It works some more. And now we are where we are. And I think the other thing, you know, it's just turned into November. Uh, a lot of people aren't taking hockey very seriously right now. So, you know, the Islanders can't do anything about playoff hockey until they get there. And it really doesn't matter, particularly to Trotz and Lamorello. It doesn't matter at all whether the country is paying attention to the Islanders or not. They probably like it better that people think they're a fluke and not for real. It probably plays in to the way they're managed. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, there was a a typical Trotz moment the other night when they – I had a three-goal lead going into the third period against the Penguins and wind up losing overtime. And in the Q&A with the reporters afterwards, Chris, one of the reporters said to him, uh, you know, this is only – this is hard to believe. This is only the fifth time, three overtime losses and two regulation, when the Islanders scored three goals in the game that they lost. And he said to Trotz, you know, are you worried about this being a trend of some sorts? And Trotz just looked him dead in the, in the eyes and said, there will be no trend. And the room went silent, and Josh just kind of walked away from the podium. And uh, I think that speaks to what you were saying about uh, the mentality and the message that comes from both Ms., uh, from Lou Lamorello and Barry Trott. Yeah, it's a it's a fluke, and he knew it. And, uh, and they know it, and they got two goalies they believe in. They play a very consistent style, lines one through four. And nobody's looking to be the hero. I mean, and uh, like you said, Barzil's a very explosive and exciting player, and he's got a great career ahead of him, and it's fun to have that kind of player to root for. But they, you know, even in this string that they had of 10 wins, nobody was doing a lot of scoring. Look at them statistically. I mean, it's crazy how 
how uh, balanced they are and how unnecessary it is for them to have any one player in the lineup. And through a long season, that really bodes well for them because they're going to get injuries like everybody else does. And when they have them, they're in a position to withstand them because, you know, it's next man up and that's, that's the way they've played. And that's just the way Lou likes it. Lou's always liked it that way. He hates paying stars and he hates having teams revolve around a single player or even the coach for that matter. He likes it to be very balanced. Uh, You know, those devil's teams had Marty Brodeur, but you know, they weren't loaded with, all-star hockey players all over the place for them that a, a few key guys usually a key defenseman and you know a lot of guys up front who uh got the job done night to night so that's the blueprint he likes that's the one he'd love to to bring to long island and so far so good i do want to ask you before i hand you off to my uh, co-host mark there uh chris i do want to ask you about one star player or aging star player in new york uh, miss henrik lundquist and you know, from uh, it, it seems to me, Chris, that you know Lundqvist. I don't want to say his career is going on as a whimper, but it's going out very quietly. And it would seem to me, for both from a team standpoint, being the Rangers, you know, Lundqvist from a player on the ice standpoint, that if the right opportunity came along, let's say a Calgary or whatnot, a team that needs that goaltender to get them to that on a cup run. Kind of that would kind of make a lot of sense all the way around. How do you feel about? Because the Rangers clearly want to play their younger goaltenders. Yeah, I think the personal decision of the no trade that he has is really all that comes down to, because technically it makes no sense to do anything but trade him, and it, and it really did two years ago. Uh, they've got good goaltenders in their system. They're not prepared to compete right now at the top of the, of, uh, the NHL. And they have no use, a la Eli Manning, they have no use for, uh, for Lundquist at this point. But it's emotional. He loves New York. I don't know how much he, you know, he wants to win a cup. I mean, I don't. I don't, you know, we all assume that the guys will do anything to win a cup. But, Henrik knows, like we all know, that one team will win the cup. So just going to a place like Calgary or to a place where, you know, he, he would have a legitimate shot isn't a guarantee of anything, and, and Henrik knows that. So to me, I, I think they're in a, between a rock and a hard place. That you, you don't want to get to this place with older players unless you know you're, or at least you have a very good idea that you're going to be a contending team. You know, when you got a player that's 35 or 36, and from then on, you don't want that player unless you're going to contend. I mean, I don't care. You don't want him unless you think you can really contend. And it was pretty clear to all of us that the Rangers weren't going to contend these last few years. So I think they made a mistake. And once you, once you go past a certain level, then there's no way out of it. You know, there's no way to rectify that mistake because then it's too late and you're not going to get anything back, and you're stuck with his salary, and the cap hit is high, and, you know, it's just uh, Henrik Lundqvist night. I mean, that's all you have to look forward to is a night to say thank you and what a great career. But he won't help the Rangers win, and I'm not sure from everything I've heard and read that he wants to leave New York. So as much sense as it makes from an organizational standpoint, I think Henrik ends up finishing his career with the Rangers because that's what Henrik wants. Yeah, for sure. And Chris, this is Mark with the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Uh, everybody follow Chris on Twitter at more to say. Um, I, w- I wanted to ask real quick, uh, you're in the metropolitan area in New York, and you have two teams that are trying to build themselves back into contender status in New York. And I want to go to the New Jersey Devils. And we're seeing two different philosophies in what they're trying to do. The Rangers, it seems like they're a little bit scattershot and they're ahead of the schedule and some things they're doing and behind schedule and some of the other things they're doing. And New Jersey is, is bringing in free agents, um, Subban and, and some of the other guys that maybe they're trying to keep Hall in the fold by showing a commitment to winning can you just kind of compare and contrast what New Jersey and New York are doing right now in trying to become contenders? 
Well, I think you're absolutely right when you call the Rangers, um, you know, scattershot. They they really are happy with some things, and they are, uh, you know, a good distance away from competing with the big boys in some things. But I think organizationally and conceptually with John Davidson, et cetera, they are, they are well ahead of the devils in terms of who they want to be, what vision there is for the future, what thoughts they have about who they're going to be in a year or two. And there will be a lot of growing pains with both of these teams, as we've already seen, and we're just going to continue to see. The Devils you worry about because I don't think they have any sense of team over there right now. You know, they are a group of players. And in the NHL, that is deadly. I mean, it's deadly in any sport, but sometimes you can get away with it in baseball. And, you know, there's some sports where you can – you can sort of fudge it a little bit. If you're not on the same page in hockey, it, it's just very, very difficult. And, and, you know, Subban and Hall are great, but if you don't have a sense of rolling lines, rolling pairs of defensemen, um, you know, a sense that you can't wait to play every night, that this is going to be our night, you're going to struggle. And I don't know what direction they're in They're To me, you know, to me right now, they are, they are mush. I mean, they are, directionless I don't yeah I don't know how long they're going to keep their coach um you know there's rumors already about you know there's just a lack of of uh identity altogether with them you know it's just it's just a group of players but it doesn't to me appear to be a team yeah I think I think that it, it's starting. It, I mean, it's showing on the ice. When I saw them play a couple preseason games there in New Jersey, I thought, okay, Hall's back for the the knee looks good, everything looks good. But I guess that's a contrast to preseason and regular season hockey because it certainly hasn't translated to that. Um, well, see, Chris is out in, in Long Island, and I'm here in Las Vegas. And hearing your voice takes me back to uh, your time with the Florida Panthers. Now you grew up in New York. You did some Cornell hockey. You did Wisconsin, Wisconsin Badgers hockey. Uh, you got to the devils uh, and then moved on to Florida um, was hockey. And then you, you know, for ESPN, you, you did every sport there is um, was hockey. One of your first loves in sport growing up. And that's why you went into uh play by play with hockey to begin with your career. Yeah, I was a Ranger fan growing up, but I, you know, it was, um, it was also opportunity because Cornell, I, I went to college and Cornell was changing broadcasters at that time. And Eric Reed who's now the voice of the heat uh, and has been for the last 30 years in the NBA. He was the sports director there and he hired me to do hockey there. And then he left for Providence and he did Providence uh, basketball. And I did Wisconsin, or I'm sorry, Cornell football and hockey uh, for four years. And that's how I got started doing football and hockey for Cornell. And then I got the Wisconsin job when, uh, you know, they were pretty good. I mean, they had a lot of yeah. Tony Granado, uh, Mike Richter, Scott Mellenby, Gary Suter, uh, you know, big list of NHL players, uh, came through Wisconsin in the four years that I was there. So yeah, that was, I mean, really, uh, great experience, two great programs, Cornell and Wisconsin in terms of, um, fan interest and uh, just the way they went about doing business. So, you know, I really felt like I was prepared for the pros after doing those two programs. Well, a a great pro giving me the Scott Mellonby segue there, sir. I appreciate that. So, so uh, you end up in Florida and, and if I'm correct, you're, um, you're on their inaugural broadcast team. That's correct, right? Yes. So yeah, and then you did work with Denny Poppin in the booth. That had to be outstanding too. A little Islanders tie-in for my my co-host Chris there. Can you um, talk about because a lot of a lot of young fans and a lot of um, let's say new hockey fans here in Las Vegas just look at what's happening in Florida now, attendance-wise and, and excitement fan-wise and, and all that, but they don't remember that you know, they're in the Stanley cup final in their second year. It was a record until the golden Knights broke it in their inaugural season. Um, you had rats raining down out of the rafters. Uh, it, it, it was a madhouse down in Florida when that team got started. And what do you remember about that time being a part of an expansion group? Well, just, you know, it's just uh, a magical time. They always say there's no voyage like the maiden voyage. And, there you um, go. 
it actually was their, it actually was their third year that they that they made the cup final. Oh, that's right. They were better than they were better than anticipated every year from year one when they were almost 500. Uh, and then year two, they were pretty good. And year three, they made the Stanley Cup final. And it just captivated them. They also had a small building at Miami Arena of about 14,000. And uh, people just went crazy with their success. And, you know, uh, Mellonby, of course, was the guy who killed a rat in the locker room. And that's how the rat started as a tradition of throwing plastic rats on the ice. And uh, the, uh, you know, the country kind of enjoyed that. I mean, that for a long yeah. time, for a long time, and it may still be, I think it's still probably top three. That Stanley Cup final, even though it was a sweep, was one of the highest rated finals that the NHL had had in the United States. And I think in large part, it was because of the rats. It was because of that novelty, <laughs> that goofiness and the, and the goofy atmosphere there that sort of made it almost like a college atmosphere was so... Uh, crazy and young and energetic. And I think people latched onto that because for a long time, it wasn't a competitive final, but for a long time, it really, it really was a ratings uh, a winner for the NHL in terms of highest rated finals watched. And I think for sure it had to do with the, the craziness of, uh, of the time. So yeah, those were, those were great days. And of course, when I first came in the league uh, teams, you know, scored, maybe 200 more goals per, per season than they do now. So the league has changed so much in terms of, uh, you know, opportunities. When I came in in the late 80s, uh, you know, there, there were Oiler teams that scored 450 goals a, a season. Um, yeah. You know, with Gretzky, Messier, Curry, uh, Paul Coffey, you know, Grant Fuhrer and goal, Glenn Anderson. I mean, they, they, they were crazy. They're crazy good. And, and, you know, they would score seven, eight goals and, uh, you know, then Lemieux uh, obviously was around and Gretzky was around and Messier. And, you know, one year, I mean, young fans, Bernie Nichols, who probably many of the fans haven't heard of, depending on how mm-hmm. old they are. Bernie Nichols had 70 goals and 80 assists one year. Yeah, 70 he did. and 80. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I mean, you did. know, so try to explain that to a young NHL fan that a non you know, big star player like Bernie Nichols, who was a very good scorer, but you know, a guy like that scored 70 and 80 in a season, you know, try to explain that to, to a young fan. It's pretty hard to do when you look around the NHL now and see how hard it is to score. Well, a lot of that people would say was because he was playing with Gretzky, right? But what they don't remember is Gretzky missed a lot of the start of that season with a back injury. So Nichols was pretty much the guy on that Kings team. Um, that, and that's a great, yeah. That's, that's a great point by you to to, to pull Bernie Nichols out of the hat, man. Good job. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, of all the guys, like I could, you could pull out a lot of guys, right? Al McKinnis and all the hundred point seasons he had, and sure. you know, Luke Robitaille getting fifty every year, and but but Bernie was really, you know, like Bernie should not have had seventy and eighty playing with Gretzky or not. It's crazy. It's just crazy how different the game is now. Uh, and that's, you know, that's why I pulled his name out rather than somebody who might be a little more consistent and a little more famous. Um, right. But I remember what, what did Solani have his first year? 80 something. Yes. I mean, yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, it was crazy. So um, from afar, you know, uh, you, you talk about the, the, the time in, in Florida as, as, as a magical time there. Um, what's your, been your impression of, of the Vegas Golden Knights? And, and the, you know, obviously there was a lot of questions about this market um, coming into the NHL. And I've lived here since 1989 and we've had minor league teams. We had the outdoor game with the Kings and the Rangers in 91. Um, and we've, we've always been in top attendance. We had the Las Vegas Thunder with Clint Malarchuk. And we've had the Las Vegas Wranglers here. So I knew there was a, a hockey market here in Las Vegas. But from outsiders, all they see is the Las Vegas Strip. So what's been your impressions of, of how the Vegas Golden Knights have, have been able to take the, take the city over, basically, and, and energize, all, I mean, a lot of NHL cities and, and players as being a destination market for the players? You know, I, I do think that. Uh, maybe it's not that surprising if you step back and you think about how well Vegas does entertainment and how well they understand uh, people that spend money, you know, people that want to be entertained. I mean, that's what Vegas does. And their hockey team from every report I've had and from everybody who I know in the league uh, 
really respected the way they do business from the from the moment they open the door to let you come in till the moment you leave and they turn the lights out in the arena. They apparently get it in all ways, shapes, and forms like an organization should. So aside from the hockey, leaving the hockey aside, and it obviously is very helpful uh, when you win. You see that with Florida now. The Panthers have real trouble drawing. People don't believe in them. They haven't been in the playoffs in forever, and it's not the place to be. But to the to Vegas, all you can do is is stand back and applaud them. And I'm sure other organizations who don't have some of the, you know, the built-in uh, draws that Vegas has are still looking at the Vegas model and trying to learn from it because there is nothing. I mean, you talk about organizations where people have nothing negative to say when they come back. You know, I mean, it, it's uh, it's a lot of smart people who understand entertainment uh, and, and then let the hockey people do the hockey things. But I, I, I'm, you know, I love it when it works. You know, I'm, I'm enthusiastic about it when it works because I think it should work and I think it can work. And I think when a new organization comes in and proves that it works, then it makes everybody else have to step up and say, hey, why aren't you doing it like they are? So I like the standard that they've set out there. And hopefully if Seattle comes in or whatever ends up happening here in the future, um, you know, that 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 blueprint uh, will be used again because they really have they ace the exam. I mean, they absolutely ace the exam. Yeah, and I, I think that goes right to Mr. Foley as the ownership group. We when they were coming in, almost the always loop, does, doesn't it? Yeah, how about yeah, almost it, always goes to ownership. Yep. He, and he brought in brought in uh, you know George McPhee and and uh, another Florida Panther tie-in coach Gallant, who yeah, everybody remembers the taxi cab and. Um, yeah. Yep. Goodness gracious, what a what a mistake that was for that franchise. I, and I, I hope Coach Q can get that franchise going again in the. Yeah, right I think they got it right but, now. But you're absolutely right. I, I think they knew. You know, when you know a guy is good, and the team is flat, you know, you, you better think twice. And they just pulled the trigger way, way too fast because they knew Gallant was a good coach. But they're, you know, sometimes these these organizations panic. They're like, well, we got to do something. And obviously, as the old cliche goes, you can't fire the players. But, uh, yeah, I absolutely agree that uh, they knew Gallant would be. That's the thing. You let a guy like that go, and, it, you know, <laughs> good luck to you because he's going to make you look bad down the road. And uh, Gallant didn't no take question. long to make him look bad. All right, we're running short on time, sir. I just want to thank you for taking uh, so much time out of your Saturday morning or early afternoon out there uh, to talk to us. I know Chris wants to get one more question in before we let you go, but thank you again for joining us. My pleasure, Mark. Hey, Chris. So, um, again, as a a veteran of the NHL, and I've been watching the NHL since the early 80s, go figure, and uh, out here in Long Island. And if you would have told me, even, let's say, 30 years ago when you were – announcing for the Devils and the Panthers that, you know, one day the NHL is going to be in Nashville and it's going to be a huge success. And I'd be like, what? And one day they'll be in Las Vegas and, and not too far after that, they're going to have another team in Seattle. And really, are you amazed of, look, I'm not trying to compare the NHL to the other three big sports. They're not going to surpass it in terms of uh, uh, popularity, but it's, it's amazing to me how much the league has grown over the last 30 years and the, the, the U.S. markets that they're now in and how how much, uh, how well they're doing in those markets. Does it, does it amaze you at all? Yeah, I mean, to some degree, but I have to say that uh, what's always been said by people in hockey and probably always will be, and that is there's nothing like the game live. You know, TV has done much better in those 30 years of bringing the game home and making it more, uh, you know, just more enjoyable when you're on your couch, but there's still nothing like being at a game. There's nothing like being at a playoff game. Uh, the attitude of the players is very clear. Nobody mails it in. Very rarely do you have teams that don't think that they can win their, in their playoffs, whether they're eight seeds or one seeds, you get upsets all the time. It feels like you have to earn it. So I think one of the un talked about parts of why it succeeds is the honest effort you know i mean there's there's an honest effort and uh 100 real sense 
Huh? 100% correct. Yeah, I, I just think that that's underrated because I don't think people are uh, convinced or maybe they just don't realize that that's one of the reasons they like it. I mean, the players are committed. The The ownership, uh, for the most part, is committed. The, the fan base is uh, smaller but more into it. You know, and and that's why you have a Vegas hockey podcast. I mean, people are into it. They they yep. you know they're invested in it, and they they want what's best. So, uh, and they appreciate the teamwork, and they appreciate what it takes. The Islanders are a great example this season. And as you said about ownership, you know what happened? What happened on the island? They went to Lamorello and Trots. The ownership went to Lamorello and Trots. You know, the ownership in Vegas went to the right people. I mean, they went and said, we're either going to do it right or we're not going to. And every fan base loves that. So uh, I'm happy that the sport has done as well nationally. I wish that they did a little bit more to promote themselves um, to the casual fan, which they don't, they don't seem to be interested in doing. Uh, they don't try very hard at that, in my opinion. But they are very international. They are doing very well in the arenas where they, they play. Uh, and that, that's what matters most to them. And, you know, they're a thriving business. So I can be critical of, of parts of it, but they are a thriving business. And as I say, the people that love them are very much addicted and very much not going anywhere. Well, Chris, thanks for the few extra minutes today. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of yours. So it's a real treat to have you on the podcast and, uh, uh, I'm sure we'll be talking to you down the line, and we'd love to have you back uh, down the road, maybe when the Islanders are in the in, in the playoffs, pushing for the cup. Yeah, we'll get a little playoff chatter going in April or May. That yeah. sounds good. Mark, Chris, thanks so much, and uh, hopefully we'll talk soon. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Chris. Everybody, that was Chris Moore. Uh, again, you can find him on Twitter at Moore, M-O-O-R-E, to say, T-O-S-A-Y. Um, here in New York, where it's a real treat uh, to have Chris. He comes on the weekends usually for a uh, good four-hour shows. And, um, yeah, I mean, he knows all the sports that well, but uh, obviously his background in hockey in terms of being the play-by-play guy. And, he, you know, he, he has seen it all for the last, oh, boy, since, you know, the last five decades, I guess. So a uh, real treat having, uh, having him come on, Mark. Man, I could talk with that guy for hours about hockey, I think. <laughs> I mean, he he threw the Bernie Nichols reference out and I okay. Uh that that was that was a fantastic interview. Thank you for putting that together for us, Chris. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. I hope he I hope he wants to come back on the show again because I could keep going with that guy for for hours. Yeah, it was amazing. Uh I I didn't realize good job by you in terms of um the, you know, the college hockey. I, I remember reading about that with Cornell, but then going to Wisconsin and then the players they had on that team and ironically, yeah. uh, you know, was, he yeah, set me up, uh, dude. He set me up perfect for the, for the Melody and the rats reference state. I love oh, it. Oh yeah. It was, it was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, that was, a, that was some run that franchise was, uh, was, was on. So, uh, yeah. Chris, oh yeah. Like Big said, 10 Chris, hockey. Chris really. Yeah. So no, no, no doubt about it. Um, so jumping in with the, the, last 15 minutes of the show in terms of looking around the Metro, I tell you what, the Capitals, you know, last, last year they won the division uh, and all that, but in the playoffs, you know, against Carolina, and we know what kind of run Carolina went on, but they just looked a little, I don't want to say, I guess they just didn't have the same oomph, if you will, and you, and they have responded uh, this year. They, Truly looks like a cup contender. I mean, Jacob Verana uh, has, you know, all the things of uh, those kind of golden prospect reports when he was a top prospect saying, well, maybe one day this guy can be an impact player. Well, he's he's certainly shown it this year. Um, they won again last night. Um, they have one of the best records in the league. And, again, uh, right now, easily, uh, they're they're one of the – favorites to represent the East uh, come Stanley Cup finals time. Yeah, no question. We're going to get a good look at Washington today um, playing the Vegas Golden Knights. And 
obviously I, I think this is the toughest game on this road trip. Um, yeah. Toronto has not been, you know, they're kind of paralleling Vegas Golden Knights as far as consistency goes this year. It, it, I mean, if you listen to Maple Leaf Nation on social media, they're the worst team in hockey as always, but um, they're not a, obviously a bad team. They're packed with talent. They're just kind of consistency issues to the same as the Vegas Golden Knights. But, I mean, Washington's been on fire. They've been one of the best teams in hockey all year this year. Um, so, and, and Holby's always tough to beat. Well, we we know that here in Vegas, obviously. Uh, so I, today's going to be a, a very good test for this Golden Knights team as, as they, you know, set the bar to where they are at this point in the season. Yeah, and they're very balanced. I mean, obviously they, they got Ovechkin uh, oh, yeah. and Backstrom and Oshie and I mentioned Verona up front, and you have Carlson on the uh, leading the charge on the back end, and they have the young goalie Samson off to go with Holpe. So. And they, you know, they've won before. So I mean, they're they, they got a, they're strong offensively. They know what to do. They have to do defensively to win those big hockey games, both in the regular season and the playoffs. So um, then we got Pittsburgh, who, you know, still dangerous. But you know, I just the I just question and uh, kudos to them for their win the other night against the Islanders coming back. But I just question: Are they strong enough defensively? you know, when it comes time, come playoff time. Um, that's the big question for me. Obviously, you have Crosby and Malkin and Getzel, and you you have you have a lot, you know, and uh, Latang and all that, uh, but are they strong enough defensively? Um, and then Matt Murray, you know, being consistent, staying healthy, but that, that there. I want to be defensively. I just don't mean their, uh, you know, their blue line. I mean their whole team concept of playing uh, winning defensive hockey. Yeah, I don't think the. I mean, I don't think Pittsburgh is the Pittsburgh of of three years ago. I think they're doing a good job of of you know the financial business side of things of keeping a competitive team on the ice uh, post cup, and we've seen the Kings and the Blackhawks um, not as successful in, in that regard, um, and then. You know, earlier in the decade, the Kings were there two, Blackhawks were there three, and then Pittsburgh was there back to back. And it's it's you know in the salary cap era, it's hard to keep that quality of a team together when guys' contracts start. Well, and then if you, I mean, the the Kings got into the we're going to overpay these guys and reward our core for being a successful franchise, which is great. Um, but when you don't have a NHL caliber third or fourth line because you just simply can't fit them under the cap, and you're playing AHLers, that's what you get in Los Angeles Kings hockey. And Chicago was preemptively trading away guys like Panarin um, because they know they couldn't afford them. And that was to their detriment as well. So I think Pittsburgh is doing a pretty good job keeping a, a, a good, they've drafted well and their young players are, are taking that step, but, but I'm with you. I'm not sure they're strong enough to be playoff contenders, especially in that division. You, you know, I don't see them finishing in the top three right now. Um, they they still may get there, but I mean it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for Pittsburgh. I'm not not sold on them having a a deep playoff caliber blue line. I mean at this point in the season. Yeah, then we get to Carolina, who's in a little bit of a uh, not a great stretch. You know, they came out like a house of fire starting the season five and zero. Oh. You know, the four six and one in there, and you're going to have your four six and one stretches in the regular season, you know, but they lost a couple of home games to, uh, not to poo-poo on these teams, but to the Devils and the Rangers teams that you figure, I mean, everyone loses those games now and then, but in a short period of time. So there were some games where you figure that, you know, they were going to win. Uh, you, you know, for me, uh, Morazic needs to stay healthy because uh, Reimer, you know, is a guy that shouldn't be playing more than 20 to 25 games kind of situation. Um, not one of not one of the better backups in my opinion in the league in terms of depth at forward and they have a lot of young players in that team and obviously there's a lot of ex- a lot more expectations this year than last year so uh, I still I still think you know you you just mentioned before you don't think Pittsburgh will get into that top three so um, you know I would say you know Washington's the clear favorite to be the uh, to win the division and and then right now you would have to say. Not a clear favorite, but uh, a good size favorite for the Isles in Carolina, I would say, 
to be in that two three spot in some order. Yeah, and and Carolina's been slipping a little bit, but Eric Hall has uh, been out with a with a a little knee injury, I believe. Um, it mm. doesn't sound like it's going to be a long time. I'm looking, you know, getting ready for the show, a nursing an injury kind of language and not uh, devastating injury. Um, so I'm not really sure about that. So I could be talking out of the other side of my face, but um, they got, uh, and I'm a butcher's name too, E2, Lusteranian, <laughs> Something like that. All right. Um, I, usually I'm pretty good with names, Chris, but this one's got me a little, you are. A little flustered, sir. Um, so they, they got him up to uh, make his NHL debut at center, so we'll see how that goes. But um, five goals to assist in the 10 games he did play. Uh, I, I think he gives them that, that, you know, I always talk about depth down the middle, and everybody does, and, and I thought he would be a great signing for Carolina. I think when he returns to the lineup that's going to slot everybody back where they were when they were on a, on their hot streak. And, and he's the kind of player who makes players on his line better. Um, the, his, his line was an offensive juggernaut with Piran and Neal here in Las Vegas. So, and he had 29 goals himself. So um, when he comes back, I think Carolina, they're, they're a real good team. And, and I think I agree with you. They're going to be there uh, come playoff time. Then we get to Philly, which we've mentioned before on this show, uh, kind of that bubble team. They can, I could see, you know, I think they're going to be there to the, to the end of just getting in the playoffs or just missing out. I can't really put my finger on them yet. You know, they, they have some good offensive players. They have some good players all around. They got the veteran goalie. They got the young Carter Hart. Um, some games they look really good. Some games they don't look so good. So I'm still trying to put my finger on them, and maybe at the end of the day that's what they are. Uh, but uh, I, I, you know, like I, I think them along with uh, a few teams, I think are going to be vying. You know, if we if we, if we're going to buy, right? If the hockey community is going to buy on Washington, uh, the Isles, and Carolina, right? And and if they want to be in the top three. I think you have to buy big on Pittsburgh snagging one of the Eastern wild cards. So that's going to leave one wild card for the Phillies and, and the Buffaloes and, uh, Florida, you know, and the Montreals. Yeah. The Floridas, all those teams going on. Um, uh, but you know, how do you, you feel similar about Philly? Yeah. That, you know, Carter Hart, he's been real good and he's been kind of bad where he's, he's had a couple, um, I, I'm kind of with you on the fence about it there. I mean, they've played 15 games, 18 points, eight, five and two, or as I like to say, eight and seven. Um, right. It's, it, you got to look at those four teams you mentioned uh, as your, your, I don't want to say a lock because nobody is. We're all day right. to day as they say, but um, yeah, I don't, they're going to be a bubble team. I, I'm looking, you know, Tampa Bay is still down in sixth place in the Atlantic. That's not going to last all season, although Kucherov's going to be sitting for a little bit after that, whatever he did in the, in that game yesterday. I don't, I don't like what I saw there at all, but we can get into that at another time. I don't know if you saw that hit, but he's going to miss some time here, I would predict. Um, oh. he, yeah, he came across open ice and just hip-checked someone's knee flipped him over it was, oh. and then and then landed with a cross check on him for good measure so i don't know if something happened earlier in the shift or or what led to that it doesn't seem like that's in his character but it's an ugly play um so i mean you got to figure well, he, had a, going to be, he had an ugly play last spring too so that's that's not yeah, he did. You know, those repeat offen- uh, repeat yeah, offender right. situations hard to give someone the benefit of the doubt and they usually don't I mean, but you got to figure Tampa Bay is going to get going at some point. So, right. I mean, if if you got Boston, Toronto, Tampa is gonna, is going to, you got to believe they're going to get things going. And oddly enough, this might be one of the things that rallies the team. Um, weird how that happens sometimes, but something like this could put a spark back into the team. Um, and then, yeah, Philly is going to be looking at a wild card spot and. The, that's about the best I can go with Philly. 
And then, and then to round out the division, we have Columbus, the Rangers, and New Jersey. You talked a little bit about the Rangers in New Jersey already. You know, you got a good look at Columbus, I think, the other night against Vegas. But they work their butts off. They just don't have a lot of, a lot of scoring. They're going with, you know, uh, un, uh, somewhat unproven goaltenders, if that's or unproven in terms of starting goaltenders, mm-hmm. if that's fair. Uh, I think they're going to bust their butt, but I think they're kind of like a 82-point team. Um, you know, the Rangers, like you said, it seems like they're in it, they're out of, you know, they're kind of into this rebuild. Obviously, they made some big, sexy moves this this summer, getting trading for Troopers, signing Panarin. But now, you know, the cost of the cap for those big signings probably means Chris Kreider and Jesper Fast, who are both uh, UFAs at the end of the year, that they'll both be traded before the deadline. And then you got New Jersey with the whole tail of whole thing and, and on top of the, the fact that, you know, at best, uh, I don't know if they're better than a 500 hockey team. Uh, not, I don't think they're deep enough, and obviously their goaltending needs to get a lot better. So, uh, I don't, I don't see. I, I mean, I don't see any of those three teams really being in the mix. I guess if any no. of the three could, I would bet. I would bet on the Rangers, uh, but uh, you know, not confidently. I would think Columbus in the long run yeah. is going to finish up above of the Rangers because what you said is very important. Columbus is a gritty team. They're going to, you know, coach Torts is going to have that team ready to play hockey every night. Uh, Corpusalo looked real good the other night against the Vegas golden Knights. It was, it was a real tight game. I, that we're tired of work and, and the guys always ask what I think of the game coming up. And I said, well, they don't have Marner, Tavares, Matthews, Nylander. <coughs> Excuse me, but they're going to battle you every yep. time you show up to play. And I, I, I just love that characteristic in a hockey team. I don't know if I see that in New York. Um, if it just comes down to all things being equal, grit, will, and desire, I'm going to put that in Columbus's corner. And if they could just get some scoring uh, somewhere out of that that middle six, and consistently, you know, it's a three-two hockey league, as Coach Sutter for the Kings used to say. Um, if they can consistently get some of that scoring, I, I, I think they're going to, you know, push past New York. I don't. I, I think you're an 85, 87 point team. I don't think they're going to be pushing for a playoff spot, but just their compete level is going to keep them from you know, becoming a, a New Jersey Devils or a Kings of the league when, or Ottawa at this point in time. Um, they, I like their battle. I like their grit. I just don't think they have all, all the clubs in the bag, if you will. And, you know, we've talked a lot over uh, this season about Taylor Hall and what his future holds, if the Devils will have, you know, will be able to sign him. And if, you know, if not, he'll be the most uh, attractive guy on the, by, by a country mile in terms of the trade uh, deadline market. But keep an eye on Chris Kreider. Uh, you know, he, he's yeah. produced in this league. He scored goals. Uh, he, he's, I like and, Kreider. Like I said, uh, yeah, and, you know, he's in, I think he's 26, 27, so – He's in the prime of his career. He's going to do very well come July 1st. The Rangers, uh, you know, to, to me, with organizations, and this kind of reminds me of the Rangers and, uh, and others, but recently of Kevin Hayes. You know the player. You're coming into the summer, and you know the player is going to be a pending UFA. You know he's going to be a wanted man and do really well on the on the free agent market. So how does the team react? If the team is doing what they uh, everything they can to get him signed, then there and now to that long-term extension, or kind of like with Kevin Hayes the summer before, the Rangers took the tactical quarter this season of, you know what, well, let's wait and see. And to me, once that happens, the die is cast because one or two things will happen. Either the player will play, you know, below average or, you know, okay. And in that case, you're like, well, we're not going to use our, our cap dollars. Uh, we, we signed Panarin to that big contract. We, we traded for Trooper for, and signed him to a big contract, and we have these other guys coming. Or if the player has does break through on, and has a big year, you say to yourself, oh, it's way as well. We can't pay Kreider eight, eight, eight and a half. We already, you know. So to me, if, if it was going to get done, it would have gotten done in the summer. And, uh, you know, they're going to, you know, try to have, a, you know, an auction and uh, get people to outbid each other and get the best package of uh, – draft picks that they can get, but don't 
they'll get a first-round pick and a really good prospect for him at least, I would think. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's pretty much the market uh, for, you know, his you know, his age group, his skill and production on the ice, whatever. I think, I think you, you know, you're probably going to want to ask for a first, a third, and a prospect, and you'll end up with uh, maybe a first, a, a solid B, B-plus prospect, and, and maybe they swap a fifth for a third or some something like that. You know how those deals get. But um, I like Kreider. I think he can help a team at the trade deadline. Um, trying to look down. You There's know, not going to be a lot of those he, kind of forwards, though, he, uh, Mark, in terms of being available at the deadline. You're going to have Hole, you're going to have Kreider, and then it's going to be a lot of bottom six guys. So that that could that would help the Rangers in terms of someone really wants a guy who can help who needs a little push in scoring. Um, you know, getting teams to bid against each other. You know, how I could see getting involved in that is Florida. If they're still like hanging around in in a wild card spot, I think he'd be a good fit in Florida. Well, they have two pending youths themselves, and Mike Hoffman and Dantino. So, uh, and obviously they've just made some big commitments. So, and they need to get better defensively um, in terms of the big picture. So, be curious to see. And both of those guys, I think Dantino is in his early 30s, and Hoffman is around 30. So, be you know that's another team to keep an eye on. To me, though, they they need to make a hockey trade. Florida does not so much a retool, rebuilding trade. Even those those guys are pending youths. They need to get better. On their uh, on their blue line. No, that's true. That's true. Well, Chris, that, no, we're going to be out of time. Yep. We're going to be out of time here, sir. Um, what do we got on tap for next week? Um, next week, I'm hoping to land a San Jose Sharks guest to figure out what the heck is going on uh, in San Jose, and in two weeks, we're going to have Dan Harrigan to talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning and finding out what's going on down there. And obviously, we have our Wednesday new Wednesday shows now, so. And uh, that will be this Wednesday at 3.30 Vegas time. And um, and our new partner, the, uh, why don't you give out the details for that, Mark? Yeah, the hockeypodcast.net is, is carrying our shows. They've got us up on their sites on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and SoundCloud, along with a really good podcast from every team. Uh, in the National Hockey League. So if you get, if somebody's like, oh, okay, we're playing Washington today. What's up with Washington? You can just go on the hockeypodcast.net, um, find the Washington Capitals podcast, listen to a couple episodes, see what's going on in, in Capitals Nation, and get ready for the game. So it's, it's a really convenient spot to go and find – hockey podcast i've listened to you know a few of the hosts i'm trying to get through at least one episode from every team since they were kind enough to pick us up i'm trying to throw some listens back their way um so far every show i've listened to is a really good hockey show so you're not going to go wrong anywhere you get there and you can follow them on twitter at hockey podnet uh, I believe is correct. So uh, make sure you guys go over there and check that out. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to the Wednesday show, it's a real, really tight show. Me and Chris uh, break down the, the midweek review for the Vegas Golden Knights. We're going to do a little roundtable topic, uh, you know, whatever presents itself in the world of hockey as as, as we come into the middle of the week. I'm sure Wednesday we'll have an Alex Tuck update for everybody, and it's a really tight, good show. And then at the end of the show, I'm giving, you know, the Wednesday night special picks. And I happen to be 2-0, and oh, so, but I, uh, you know, Ooh. usually if, if you bet against what I'm doing, you're going to be better off. But uh, I will have my Wednesday night special again, and it's always going to be the NBCSN game. So, you know, for entertainment purposes only, unless you happen to be where there's some legal wagering going on like I am, um, you get a little ticket, you know, whatever it is, you're going to wager and watch the game Wednesday night. So that's kind of what that's for. And it sets it up at three 30 uh, Pacific time, six 30 Eastern time. And, and look, comes out before the game actually starts. So, so far I'm lucky. I mean, I just, I had the Rangers last Wednesday and, you know, they I only picked them cause they were the home team. So I, I, whatever. And they were Detroit. So far. Yeah. And Detroit. Uh, who bit the Bruins yesterday, though? So, uh, and then that uh, that's that's about it. That's gonna take care of it for this week, Chris. Anything else? That's it. That's it. Looking forward to uh, talking to you on Wednesday, my friends. 
All right, we will see all you. Thank you, thank you everybody for listening. Thanks again to Chris Moore for joining us. Follow him on Twitter at at Moore to say. Um, that was a great interview. I had, I, like I said, I could talk with that guy forever. Um, we're going to have him back on in the future, so make sure you stay tuned for that. For Chris on Mark, it's been a great week, but we're gone.